sharing a personal testimony um, from Psalm 63. So I'm going to start by reading it. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich foods, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed, and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God, and all who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. Uh, This is a psalm that encouraged me during my year in Oxford. Two years ago, about this time two years ago, I moved to Oxford. um, And I would have considered myself as someone who's always been fairly joyful um, and thought that I had a lot of joy in my heart. Um, When I got to Oxford, for whatever reason, my joy was just gone. I was quite sad. Um, I had a lot of anxiety that was just overwhelming me. kind of a few series of panic attacks and um, just came close to what people thought. People thought I was going to have a bit of a nervous breakdown. Um, But for whatever reason, the peace that I once had and the joy that I once had had gone. And it was completely out of my control. Um, So I can't explain that. Uh, But my sister, just before I moved there, gave me this psalm, uh, Psalm 63. And that and the scripture 1 Peter 1 really helped me get through the year. And as a result, at the end of that year, I was a completely different person. Um, So I'm going to hope that what I bring today is an encouragement to you. Uh, There's just four kind of key bits in the psalm that really spoke to me. And then I'm going to share something I've written for you. Uh, So verse 1, it says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you. One thing that God taught me is it's okay to feel thirsty for God. Um, It's okay to feel like you actually have a dry throat, like you're parched, and if he doesn't step in, something bad's going to happen to you. You're so thirsty for him, you need him to move. Mm. It's okay to be in a place like that. That's just something that he taught me during that time. Um, verse 2 says, So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Um, this psalm was written by David, and it's thought that it was written while he was... Uh, fleeing his own son who had led a rebellion against him called Prince Absalom Um, and he was in the wilderness of Judah or so it's thought and um, he has spent time with the Ark of the Covenant which to him was the sanctuary so when he wrote this psalm the chances are he's thinking about the Ark of the Covenant and the times that he had with God when he was um, praising God and feeling free and probably feeling all those things of joy and peace and love and hope knowing that he could spend time with his father with the Ark of the Covenant. He's been then brought away from the Ark of the Covenant. He's in the wilderness by himself. Um, Sorry, not by himself. With the people that are with him, but he is probably feeling um, like he's been, well, rejected by his family, um, that he can't go to his home. 
uh, and he is being attacked by, I cannot remember the name of the guy, but there are people that are attacking him and, and it actually talks about people spitting at him and cursing him as he's walking um, or kind of on his path with his followers. That's making sense. Um, okay, so, but the key um, point here is that he's thinking about the sanctuary. So sometimes it's helpful to think about the sanctuaries in your own life when you are going through a tough time. Uh, when I was 19 and I first came back to uh, God, I used to trek it two hours across London to my sister's gospel choir. And to me, that was my f- first experience, having been away from God for a few years, of praising Jesus. And we used to sing this song that goes, um, We lift our hands in the sanctuary. We lift our hands, yeah, to give you the glory. Somebody knows it. Okay. <laughs> so... Um, and at the time, I didn't know what the sanctuary was, um, but it felt really good to sing. And I was like, yeah, I'm all for this. I'm praising God in the sanctuary. What's the sanctuary? And now I kind of realized that perhaps it was referenced to this psalm or many of the psalms um, where it's like that place where we really felt free um, in worship to Jesus. So sometimes it's just good to reflect on this. Next, uh, verse three and four says, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. This reminds us that God is so much better and bigger than our circumstance, that just by simply looking at who he is and not what is around us, we can lift up our hands to praise him. And that situations out of our control enable us to gaze towards Jesus sometimes in a different way. Um... Verse 6 and 7, this was more of a practical lesson, says, uh, When I remembered you upon my bed and meditated on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. God taught me that the importance of knowing that we can encounter him through the night and in the spiritually dark places is crucial to us as a Christian if we're going to survive. Um, Our enemy loves to attack us when we feel least able to fight. But often just fixing our eyes on God and numbering his promises are our weapons. So sometimes when we talk about spiritual warfare, it's just a case of perhaps you wake up in the night and you're feeling worried about something or um, a bad thought pops into your head that makes you worried or feel fearful and just taking the Bible or scripture or just numbering things that are good about God. That is spiritual warfare. That is us putting up our weapons against our enemy. Um, so what I've done is I've written a spoken word to share with you because I find it easier to express that way. Uh, so just listen and I hope that it will encourage you. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. A barren land can feel like a man's hand has wiped away all the moisture and life-giving river that we could ever experience. A barren land is not one to be taken lightly, because it quite literally is like there's nothing there. There's just darkness, and it feels like nothing. night rains all the time. And where is the light? Where is his might? It's so tight because everything is drawn out of it. Everything feels like you are just suffocating on either sin or deadly weight, or shame, or guilt, or a place of hate, or something that incapacitates you. It could be anxiety or depression a misunderstanding or obsession. And yet earnest, sincere, 
Wholeheartedly, dearly, we draw near to a saviour whose story is made clear to us when he shed not just a tear for us, but cried, Father, remove this cup for fear of what was not merely a persecution, but our retribution, the cost we should have paid that was laid and then slayed out for the joy that was set before him and then played out. A few years ago, I was in a barren land and I felt like my joy and peace had been taken. The thief comes to kill, steal and destroy and I was utterly shaken. My joy was sapped away from me and that was something I held up here. So I said to Jesus, why have you taken it away from me when you told me that I'd be fearfully joyous? But my joy has disappeared and my peace along with it. The anxiety is crippling and this tickling and this itch that I feel every day is like it's going to snitch on me any time that I pull away from you. So I cling to you, but you're not there. You can't be found. This is a barren land. There's not a sound. But Jesus came that we may have life and have it in abundance. So I keep speaking to Jesus through the strife and I trudge on in acceptance that various trials, although for a short time may make us sad, they come to prove that our faith is pure of which we can be glad. We should count it as joy in the testing of our faith for these blessings, albeit disguised, develop our patience and make us wise beyond our peers. It destroys our fears. Our paths are cleared for what's ahead. This God of ours, our Father, doesn't give up. He raised his own son from the dead. So I am speaking to Jesus, and I march, and I march, until the anxiety runs out of steam, and my mouth is parched, and I take the promises that he gave us, and I say them to him, and say thus, Jesus, you came that we may have life in abundance, and a joy that is inexpressible, filled with glory that is not redundant. I speak to him, and I declare them, and I actually shout them out loud, both in public and in private. It might seem silly, it might seem proud. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, make your requests be known to God, and the peace that passes understanding will take a landing and guard your hearts and minds in Christ. So I shout out his scripture and I say, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are sons of God. Let me be a peacemaker to those around me, but I don't feel peace on the inside, so how can that be? How can I bless you in this place where I am paralyzed by anxiety and attack, where panic turns into depression that turns back to panic, and I seem to lack peace that I once had from my journeying with Christ and I'm like Christ where is this peace all my life all my life I considered David's psalm and the sanctuary he beheld we've seen God heal we've seen him bless take on our appeal being a place of rest he's been our song our dance our time our worship and even our rhyme so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and glory because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you for our story. So I will bless you as long as I live, and in your name I lift up my hands, and then the bucket drops, 1 Peter 1 says, withstand. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to have life, and to have hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and kingdom-led an inheritance that is kept in heaven for us. For this we can rejoice. So in this I meant to rejoice. If now for a little while, if necessary, if necessary is key. That sometimes these trials are meant to refine us and are repetitive to achieve. It doesn't mean God causes pain or sin or affliction or death. He's the resurrection. But sometimes it means we are grieved by various trials and tribulation. The fire that gold is purified in is stirred until reflection of the one who's looking in. And in our case, that's Christ. He's our description. My soul will be satisfied 
with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you. Upon my bed, I meditated on you during the hours of the night. And in the darkest places, I'd whisper, Jesus, please don't wake me to this life. But the truth is, God is our help. And even in his shadow, we sing delight. And worship changes an atmosphere of darkness to something brightly demonstrating his ability to uphold his children through the fight. It is hard to understand the plans behind the man at hand. But Christ came to give us life and we can trust him that he can. God's appeal to us today is that the trials we feel or face, although we do not have the answers or comprehend all means of grace, are within his control and much better that than unreachable. When we submit each day to God, it welcomes his will and makes us teachable. But more importantly, we're transformed from one degree of glory to another, layer of likeness that reflects him in his kindness that for us he'd even bother. To have the mountains and the valleys and the seasons for our accession to heaven, where we're not only with him, we're like him and we are completely forgiven. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore you to his place. Though you do not now see him, you love him and you believe in him and celebrate in a way that's inexpressible, obtaining the outcome of your faith. I know that I cannot see Jesus, but I love him all the more and I watch him guide our family through every trial and open door. The prophet Jeremiah told us to keep our voice from cries because the Lord will reward our work, so to keep those tears from off your eyes. He's here to make our paths as straight and direct towards the king. It's safe to say I'm a completely different person now, and it's all thanks to